whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Number 50. Big five oh. You guys have been waiting for this moment. We know it. We promised you big things and we... Somehow are delivering. Big things. We worked on this for a whole four minutes. Well, I mean, this has been in the works now for maybe two hours. That's true. (laughs) But we did say last week that maybe we'd think about it before we started recording what we talk about. And we did. And I feel like we're really... Somehow by the grace of God. So, what's our big surprise for our 50th episode? Both of our babies are sleeping. Therefore, and also, work schedules worked out because that's usually... Yeah, normally Friday night, Tim watches a movie with the kids while 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 Chip works. Ruben on the ball. Yep. But, but not this Friday night. Chip, it is it is Friday the 13th. Mm. We're in the midst of the coronavirus quarantine madness. Quarantine. We're not quarantining <laughs> anything yet. So, that was Chip you heard there. Say hello, babe. Hey, this is Chip. And we have my husband Tim. Hello. Like how we're we're sitting around the microphone. <laughs> I guess we're across from our spouses, but yeah, it just feels like you're by Chip and I'm by Tim. And <laughs> this just all seemed really anticlimactic. I thought it was gonna be much. <laughs> Welcome to our this. podcast, babe. Yeah. Have you ever listened to our you podcast? Listened enough, Tim. This is normal. <laughs> Chip knows because he's Welcome. a faithful listener. I was even giving like a drum roll, and then you guys didn't do the announcement oh. because he had to spend another like oh, yeah. seven well, seconds uh-huh. explaining it. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, Welcome, Tim. Yeah, our is... husbands are joining us tonight. All of our children are asleep, even our babies. And you keep saying that. Not I feel for long. Like it's just sorry. Not mm. for long. Yep, Pax just moved. <laughs> oh, well, he'll be fine. Well, so um, he'll survive. So, what are we talking about tonight? I hate when you ask that question because I'm always like, I don't know. All right, on a scale from one to ten, how panicked are we about the coronavirus? Oh, we're gonna go there first. Yeah, we're jumping right in. Mm-hmm. How much have we stockpiled for this event? Mm, how I got- many rolls of toilet paper do you have left? I have about a half a thing of Costco toilet paper. However, I am actually looking into a bidet. Yeah. Well, well the Johnsons. I could bidet the Johnsons. Bought Johnsons one. are one step ahead of us, and they actually they bought have one. one? Yeah. Oh. Did she buy it on the auction? Thing? She did, but Gabe uh, tried installing it, and it didn't work. Sounds like you get Aww. AIDS or something from. No, that. it was Aww. new. Oh, was it? It was okay. a new thing, That's but <laughs> it didn't work with their toilet for um, whatever reason. I don't know. Discounted bidet just doesn't sound. <laughs> Discounted auction It's bidet. not a used bidet. <laughs> yeah. I like your bidet all day, Tim. Bidet all day. That's good. You really. Yeah, I really good. Yeah. So, how much toilet paper do you have? I think we are at about 
14 to 16 rolls left. How long does that last? AKA, we didn't stockpile. We're not stockpiling anything for the upcoming quarantine, which will probably start in a couple weeks. So, we'll see. I wouldn't say we're stockpiling. We just decided in the last month to eat out of our freezers. (laughs) So, we, like, used up our normal staples that we normally have. So, we have gotten... We've tried to just replenish some of, like, chicken and things. We saved all of our money last month or two for this moment. Yes, just to (laughs) spend it on this moment. No, I didn't buy it. I bought it on sale, and I got bread from the bread store. We're down to one loaf of bread, and that's just... We have a lot of bagels. We now have bagels, and so... Yeah, we've got... Two refrigerators and a chest freezer and an upright freezer that are quite filled with things. The only problem is, like, the chest freezer's got a bunch of... Placentas? <laughs> well, there are placentas in one of the it's freezers. It's a good thing you can probably make placentas with yeah. it. But also herbs for, like, our pregnancy tea. Yeah. There's way too many true. herbs in the freezer. There's a lot of herbs and a lot of... Plus, you probably have one whole freezer just, like, birth, <laughs> birth supplies and birth-related yeah. items. Well, a small freezer. Yeah. Not a big one. We so. have two fridge, two fridges and th- two freezers. But and they're not all as at, big of a freezer. And they're not at full capacity by any... Stretch of the imagination. We so. have a pantry now that has. We do have. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. So if you ever feel the need to put a placenta in your freezer, we've got plenty to go. Okay. I'm sure it's quite well, right. if you need some space, you we can. actually have your placenta <laughs> in our freezer. So. <laughs> Why do Just we to have? Let plac- everyone know I don't agree with any of this. Why do we have placentas in the freezer? That makes it sound like we're not being, like we're being. Unsubmissive um, to yeah. your desires. <laughs> we're being. Naughty it's not even your wives. freezer, babe. <laughs> you but you don't agree you with don't, it. You just my mean my wife's body part. Do you? But you so don't. You just say you don't agree with that. Do you really mean that? Or do you no. mean you just don't like placentas? No, I hope that okay. can't you just save it for the class? I hope there's and then enough discernment it? of our listeners to pick up sarcasm. Okay, because well, we, that's what that was. We, we use placentas to examine. We do save in a birth them class. for the class, and then get, we're done with them. Sometimes we refreeze them if they're really good ones. But we're still <laughs> using it for the next class. We're not just like. We're never just holding on to placentas just to, for the sake of having a placenta around. Right. Like, yes. just in case we might want to look at this sometime. Yes, they are just for our class. So, we have... I host a birth education class at my house once a month, and it's five classes long, and one of the classes talks about the delivery of the placenta, and we get out placentas and look at them. And both Chip and Tim avoid that. Are not fans of. of placentas in any way. They are fans of placentas and the fact that they, they give life to our children, our babies while they're inside. I of can't us. even look at them. Do you feel like the same way towards a placenta as you just feel about blood in general, Chip? Oh, placenta's way worse. Tim. Oh, placenta's pretty gross. If I gave birth. <laughs> 
that is Chip about to pass out just in the conversation. Or he just got coronavirus. (laughs) If I gave birth and for some reason no other person was around, just you and me, do you think you'd be able to push through and help handle that? Or would you be hoping that I could just take care of it all myself? (laughs) No, I can do whatever I need to do. But could you? I mean, if she, by handle that, she means, like, help lift it up out of the water into the bowl. Could you do that? Kind of my jig- eyes closed. Kind of jiggle it with your hands. Okay. With your eyes closed. <laughs> with big gloves on. <laughs> so I don't so I feel it. <laughs> I honestly think it would be the warmth of it that would gross me out. Do you think you could do it, Tim? Yeah, I've picked up a lot of bodily fluids in my life. <laughs> is the least of these. <laughs> We're not even going to yeah. go there on this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> one time I had to pick up a dead chicken with people I didn't know very well watching me. Oh. And it was in the summertime. Oh. Do you think picking up a warm dead chicken or a placenta is worse? Placenta. Yeah. It's not even like a competition. Okay. I could pick up a dead chicken easily. Because it's not bleeding everywhere. So, (laughs) knowing that this is how you guys feel about placentas, how have you ever agreed to or thought it or encouraged or thought it was a good idea for this to take place at home? I think what she's saying is. That's why you have somebody else deal with it. There's husbands who, and wives, there's people who would consider home birth, but then they're like, oh, but the gross parts, let's not do that. that so we have people in our lives that will argument? handle that placenta instead of us. Like, <laughs> there's some people, yeah. Some people oh, I feel like there's a lot of people excuse. who yes, who think it's just too gross to have a baby It is too messy. Well, the birth tub helps a lot with that. Well, I think they're... Just drain it away. <laughs> Or bucket it out. I think, I think the I think the benefits of doing it are beyond the, the grossness, grossness factor of, of the placenta. I don't know. There's a lot of things that are when you say it. that the placentas are really gross too. You just mean handling it would gross you out. No, all the above. <laughs> yeah. Do you like, would... I think it's disgusting. I well okay. It's beautiful in the fact that it is, if you truly look at it, it's incredible how God made this thing, this... Organ. (laughs) Organ, to do what it does. Like, it's truly a miracle, but when you actually look at it and think about it, it... You also get grossed grossed out by getting your blood pressure taken, so... Yeah. But also, in the realm of the whole birth... How? What percentage of gross placenta? I mean, you know what I mean. The whole yeah. experience overall feels how, like much bigger process than the placenta gross yeah. factor is yeah, like just, just a small one. little like blip in the. Yeah, and I think Chip mentioned that it's just a it like especially if someone else there's, is there. There's a midwife and or a doula. Or, in our case, friends, that I don't think I've ever... I, I think 
You've never even cut even the cord. I've, yeah. <laughs> Chip no, has never. Oh, no. Cut I've cut cord. the cord. Um, you have? For Sayla. Oh, in the hospital. Yes, yes. you did. Yeah. yeah. But that's the only one. And it... It was fine. Again, if I had to, I would, but I would prefer not to. But it's just such a small Yeah, we would of... do anything we needed to do if we had to. But we haven't ever been in a situation where it's like... You're giving birth in a cave, and we're the only person there that can help you. <laughs> Would you say you were surprised at all at how, quote-unquote, messy the birth was, or how not messy it was? Like, before you Your ever... expectations of what yeah. you thought. Before we ever had a home birth, what were you thinking... Did you think that part was going to be, be more Probably gross? messier than I thought it was going to be. It, in the hospital setting. It is messier? It or? was, like, initially. Hmm. I don't think so. Wait, you thought that the home birth was messier than... No, she said before home birth or anything. Just your in, your impression of birth. No, of home... Your, before oh, you've home, had a home, home birth, birth, what's your impression of home birth being? Was it messier? You or? had a home birth. Did you think it was messier or less messy than you um, having the baby in your mind? I generally don't think about future things that I don't know about. But okay. well, you knew about birth. I knew about birth in the hospital, and I knew about all the mess that they clean up. So probably, I would say our first home birth was on the messier side, and I felt like I didn't, just I didn't like handle it, was... it quite as well as I've gotten used to handling it now. What, what did you feel like was messy about it? Just the tub? The tub, for some reason, just felt like it had more in it that we had to deal with. I don't know. (laughs) Or it also might have just... It is because with our first home birth and the first tub experience, we didn't... Partly because some people in our family are really, really frugal, but you decided you'd rather invest in a bucket than in a pump. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with a pup now. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty. <laughs> we have gone Wait, with the pup. Since. I didn't know that. You didn't buy the pump with Archer's birth. You bucketed it out. He and uh, my know? dad bucketed <gasps> out. The Knowing what you. Uh, yeah, it's not. Gross. Oh, Jim. Uh, the entire <laughs> pool worth. Right. Well, it was the big lot. pool too. No, no wonder you. Oh, that wasn't the big one. Okay. No wonder <laughs> Ladies you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not that bad. <laughs> with a pump. Get a pump. Buy a pump. Yeah, a pump yeah. is way better. The guys. pump is like $30. It's really not <laughs> that expensive, and it's very worth it. You can reuse it multiple times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I also had a lot of anxiety and almost nightmares because I had Archer at like 1 in the morning, mm-hmm. and then... We went to sleep at like four in the morning, but they decided not to take care of the pool before, like oh, right away. Yeah. And we didn't have a cover. Big or no anything. no, guys. Big no no. And. Why? It just smelled? No. No. Uh, it's just weird. Well, my problem. Of- my problem was that Titus was at the age where yes. he was like climbing out of his bed, but he was also. Climbing into pools. He, he wasn't <laughs> two yet, and I was really nervous that he was going to, like, drown in the birth tub. Yeah, that was when long. we left was when really... we left for the hospital with Ruben's birth. 
and the bathtub was still filled up. That was one of the things I told Tim to, like, text our friend who was staying with our kids, like, tell her she needs to, like, keep that door shut so that no one goes in there and... But Falls then you came back and had my baby in there. So we both had nightmares for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> we should have just handled it. <laughs> yeah. But because we had needed doing the bucket method, we were like, we'll do this later. Bucket it out. Yeah. 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 I think you actually fell asleep on the bed before the midwife even left. Yeah. So wiped him out. And I wasn't in any position to <laughs> bucket out the tub. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours post-birth. So, that Some of the took things, a really weird twist. These things you just kind of work out as you figure out home birth. But it is good to know, that's one of the reasons you listen to this, that we've worked out some of the kinks for you. You can gain from our... Get a pump. From our... Uh, and a liner. Yes. Know, liners are great. Yeah. yeah. Fishnet, also helpful. We used it, though. Fishnet. Okay, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> need a fishnet in a birth tub. Yeah. In case you poop. Sometimes you poop and you still don't use a fishnet. And you use a red Solo cup. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> we didn't have the fishnet that time. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Too many details. Well, this is part of our podcasts. I, I'm <laughs> We need to know. The people need to know the people, the real parts of birth. Um, Has there been any point in time that either of you have felt particularly nervous or anxious about having a baby at home? No. I think the first time you have a home birth, you have no clue how it's going to go. What to expect. Yeah. So it's yeah, the first one. But then, there. but then after that, like after the first one, you realize that wow, that wasn't really all that bad, and I would have much preferred it at home than at a hospital. Like it's more relaxing. There are points that like I don't want to say downtime because it makes it sound like the woman doesn't have downtime, um, but there are like there are yeah. moments in which you as a couple can relax and you don't have, you know, doctors breathing down your neck and uh, medical professionals popping their head head in like genie from Aladdin be like, poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Yeah. Just like, uh, for you to leave me alone. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's just one, I mean, one kind of pithy example of why I would choose home birth any day, even after experiencing the first time a little nerve-wracking, but what is happening to your phone? <laughs> Every once in a while. His, his phone is, like, flashing green. Was that your phone screen, or was that the that was camera? A, yeah. The camera, it I happens. think your children just got abducted. <laughs> no, it, it happens. <laughs> it was so strange. It happens regularly. Every time I have the camera on. On your phone. There's occasional moments where... But it's only on the the part of that. Like, it's not the whole screen. It's just... Yeah. That's why I think your children are gone. Well, no, there is something with the cameras where it's, like, trying to... Did that do it? I just pulled it up right now after. Oh. It's happened before, Tim, and they've all been fine. All right, so we have our... Well, (laughs) when we're at neighbor's house, we have cameras that look into our children and to make sure that they're okay, and Chip's phone 
literally just lit up green but the I camera. think what it is is like there's like the night vision part of yes. the camera yeah. that I feel like it's trying to switch to yeah getting text messages over there podcast 101 Tim put your phone on silent <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't know we were professionals here we're not alright um, well before we started this we were having a little brief powwow session and Chip is a faithful listener we've mentioned that before every episode <laughs> sometimes now, twice <laughs> he's now gone back starting to listen to them a second time Tim not so much <laughs> I have listened to one a dozen a dozen oh a dozen yeah I'm surprised look at that yeah. see I'm, I'm more of like actionable okay, I was just explaining this to Chip that now I can't even like watch movies and not be like, can I just get the cliff notes and be done with this? We so, are definitely uh, not <laughs> that hot. format of just talking <laughs> and having to find the little nuggets is just not not how I roll. Yeah. I just need you to be straight to the point and yeah. tell me how it is. You should That's... probably just read our two-line description then. We'll probably <laughs> tell you everything you need yeah. to know. But Chip had some... Uh, some thoughts and insights as to I don't know criticisms maybe not criticisms but kind of of what what he wanted to encourage us in you're like I don't even know exactly <laughs> what, what Chip was saying but since we have them <clears throat> The husband's on the podcast. I think it's good to be able to hear from them on why, I mean, how we do things and how we view birth is definitely not mainstream. And so why do we view things so differently? And it's not just birth. It goes into lots of areas of life. So, so I think, um, you know, listening through you guys' episodes, you know, you guys do kind of walk a fine line of wanting to encourage people to think outside of what maybe they're used to, um, but also, you know, not offend anybody at the same time. So you guys, you guys, I, th- I feel like you do a good job of, of hopefully not offending people, well, but also encouraging them to say, hey, there are different ways of doing things. And it's not even necessarily just an offensiveness. It's wanting to be careful and maintain a balance of understanding that there are a lot of different ways to live out certain principles. And mm-hmm. so... And people are at all completely different places... In times. Yeah. Right. So what it comes down to, and probably one of the biggest things that started where we're at, would you say, is when we had kind of the realization of that we had been kind of going down this autopilot, like this is just the next step, this is just what you do next, 
and not really questioning a lot about it. And we right. kind of hit a point where we started questioning, well, wait, 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 but why are we doing what we're doing? And we had, we had the quick Christian answer of, well, to bring glory to God. But we hadn't really thought through the practicalities of why we're doing what we're doing. And that was kind of the start of all of it for, so why are you using birth control as soon as you get married? Why are you wanting to limit your number of kids to a certain number or have them at certain times? Why are you having your wife, like both people work or not work? Just kind of having to start Think, thinking through each of those questions and a lot of other questions. How do you live in the way you live? How do you spend the money the way you spend your money? You know, I think we both grew up thinking like vacations are a great thing and you should strive for vacations, but maybe not for the... Sometimes our parents didn't... didn't they were instilling correct reasons and biblical knowledge in us but we're also inundated by what the world is telling us around us and the culture and our even our own selfishness and what we kind of want and the comforts we want so they're kind of hit a place where we just started questioning all of that and I would say that's a lot of what led us to be more intentional about a lot of these things yeah and I think that um as we, you know, probably one of the biggest blessings in our marriage for us is that when we have a question, we say, well, how do we, you know, what's the answer to this? And we both go to the Bible and we both go to God and, you know, God isn't going to lead a couple apart from each other if they're both going to his word for an answer to something. And so as we have, um, you know, sought out answers using scripture and um, seeking God together has um, been a huge blessing for us. And we haven't grown apart in it. We've grown together. We've grown, um, you know, our lives today look way, way different than they did when we first got married. But God has brought us down the path of doing it together. And I would say it's because our foundation is his word. Um, How do you think that factors in then? in the context of not just our marriage, but this living next door to each other, all four of us, and then even with the Johnsons, would you say that that is also why this can work well? Is because... Yeah, I think when, all... when people look from the outside in and see kind of our families living close to, one another, close to each other, um, you know, they're going to ask why, and they're probably going to... Um, you know, kind of think that, that there's a level of craziness to A, having this many kids and B, being this close. But for us, really, as we've questioned the why behind why we do things um, and we go to God's word, we see we've really just kind of gone down to the, fu- the fundamentals of like, um, how does birth work? I mean, how does life work? How does... Um, giving glory to God with your money work and um, 
really just realizing that that we should be shooting for the highest standard that we possibly can in glorifying God. And yes, sin is going to change how that looks in everybody's lives, but um, like God has shown us um, and told us through his word, um, he doesn't say like have a baby at home, but he has made the woman's body to have a baby and it doesn't need to be, um, you know, we aren't given the picture of this is an emergency medical event that needs to have, you know, a doctor present and hospital staff and all of this fancy equipment to have a baby. Um, not to say you can't utilize, not saying that you can't utilize those things, but and that there aren't, I there, mean, there are times that things don't just go. Right. And and God has allowed, you know, we live in a culture where, where we have um, that system to kind of as a backup, um, which is great to have. I mean, all of those people like at the hospital they're designed to handle emergency situations which is great um but having a baby isn't an emergency situation generally speaking Mm -hmm. and um the blessing of being able to have that child at home in our experience has far outweighed the the blessing of being in a hospital situation um so i mean as we've just kind of looked at all these different areas of our lives, it's like, well, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, and it comes down to, well, how did, how did God make things to work? And is there anything that is telling us that there's a problem that we need to address? And if not, then, then follow, um, how God made it to work. Um, so I think there's just a lot of inherent blessing in, um, seeking God and his design and letting his design play out. Um, cause he has made the woman's body to give birth. And that, you know, that's one of, um, the things that Adam can't do that God specifically made this woman to, uh, for procreation and to bring, um, you know, families and more people into the world. And it's a great thing. So, um, so what do you tell the, people and how do you even prepare yourself with the idea of you decide to handle birth in this way of of acknowledging God's design and the blessing and and it not being an emergency and yet what if something goes wrong what if an emergency does arise that isn't able to be transferred to the hospital in time or whatever the case may be. What if the baby dies? What if mom dies? What if both are compromised in serious ways? How how can you have um, peace knowing that those are still options that could arise? Because I think... I think at the end of the day... God truly is sovereign over everything that happens in our lives. And um, 
he does allow sin and he does allow um, the fallen world um, in. And at the end of the day, you know, he is orchestrating things to happen how he wants them to happen. And um, oftentimes that means that that we need to be running to him for help. And, um, you know, that's that's, you know, the beauty of following God is that he's in control and we make the best decisions that we can knowing what he has allowed us to know. Um, but I, I think you guys have done a pretty good job of covering um, this general topic and past episodes that, that just because you, um, just because there's a small percentage of a problem that, you know, doctors have to treat every woman a certain way because 1% of them, you know, something happens to them. Um, just because that doesn't mean that I can't remember the example you used, maybe like, was it eating that like, we know that eating this is wrong is not good for your body, but that doesn't mean that everybody should eat that way. Do you remember what the, that what that episode I think we was talked about? about we talked about feeding tubes. Yeah, that, feeding there's tubes, a chance right. that you yeah. there are gonna be people who that's like a huge immense a blessing feeding. and like keeps them alive and it's yes. a great thing. But that doesn't mean that you apply that same principle to every single person and you give every person a feeding tube. Right. right. But God has allowed man to figure out how to feed somebody who's about to die because they need that, mm-hmm. and so you utilize that when possible. Um, if that person needs it, but that doesn't mean that you apply that. You don't jump there. You don't jump there first for all people. And so I I would totally equate birth um, in the same way that like if you don't see any warning signs of why you should be taking different precautions, then then like let your body do what it's supposed to do um, in giving birth and it isn't an emergency. Um, and there's just, uh, you know, in our experience, there's just huge blessing in, in letting it happen. What would you say the way it's of, supposed to? Some of those blessings are that I I want to hear from both you and Tim on. I know Tim kind of mentioned the peacefulness and not having people just pop in and intrude at different times. But what are other th- things from? from your guys' perspectives that you both have experienced us as wives giving birth in the hospital setting mm-hmm. and you both experienced it at home. In, in my experience, just not like seeing you in that terrible place of like pain giving birth in a hospital, like that has been, you know, the, the times that you had epidurals, it wasn't as traumatic but the times when you didn't have epidural in the hospital like it was it's a pretty hard like thing to see your wife go through that experience and to like have that be bookend with like a birth like a home birth experience the next birth it was just like night and day of like this is such an amazing experience of just like giving birth to a baby in so much less of a traumatic way um 
I think Brinley was what the last hospital birth that was Titus without was the last Titus one. was one. Brinley and Titus were the only the two that I had at the hospital yeah. without any. And those are just terrible births, and I mean for you watching for me watching. Um. So to to have home births after that and see, like how smoothly and. Did you, Tim, feel can, like can go. there was a big difference between Abby having Sayla in the hospital without medication versus even, like, her... Calvary or... Well, any of her births here from an, from an outside perspective, like, for you as the husband, did you notice a very big difference or did you feel like they were pretty much the same... Yeah, uh, I think there's a huge difference. Um, so kind of to answer the main question, which rolls into that question, mm-hmm. uh, which is allowing me to have purpose within the birth hmm. and intimacy within the birth. Um, and I think when you go to a hospital, it rips those away because from the gate and getting to the hospital, your purpose has been now given to a air quotes professional Mm -hmm. to deal with whatever it is um and so as a male when you're looking at your wife uh giving birth going through the birth process you already feel pretty helpless and then when you give that uh, power and that position to a doctor, um, you lose on being able to walk your wife through intentionality mm-hmm. and allowing her mind to succumb to fear and allowing her not speaking into her life because she's surrounded by all of these other people who are prodding, poking, searching. So it's uh, like you can do those can, things, but correct. it's just not... You can't do it quite in the same way or to the same depth. Correct. Not, not at all. Uh, you will get interrupted during prayers. You will get barged in on. You'll feel very awkward um, to the point in which... It's kind of like when you're having a conversation with your spouse and a kid keeps coming in to interrupt you. You're like, I don't know anything <laughs> about that. I've never experienced that You're before. Like, by the fifth Bad time. Bad example, Tim. By the, <laughs> it's a perfect example. By the fifth time, you're just like, screw this. Like, I, I, I yes. can't, like, I, I can't even get one sentence out without being interrupted. And so it just becomes very difficult in that setting. So with Sayla, she was hospital. It was kind of the same thing. It was definitely a little bit, a little... Like, it was better than Graceland, which was our first one, which was C-section. But um, the the thing that you also miss out because of that is intimacy. And so when you're home birthing, you're in your home, so you're already more comfortable. And typically when you hire a doula or a midwife, obviously it depends on the midwife and the doula, if you have a doula. Um... They're typically, at least in our experiences, have been pretty hands-off. So when I'm praying with Abby, or Abby's going through 
her labor, everyone's for the most part pretty silent. And so that allows me to watch her emotional cues. And so when she's looking at me with hopelessness, because that is something that (laughs) it's kind of like the, is it transition? Yeah. Like the transition, the point in which, uh, you know, the typical man joke is where the woman grabs you and stares you down and says like, you did this to me. (laughs) Um, It's at that point in which you can use scripture to combat those those fears and you can wash your wife with the word and i'm saying that as if like i'm some uh i don't know some superhero in the faith but really i just have these note cards sitting next to me and i just listen to my wife and when she says i can't do it i speak simple scriptures based off the cards that i have sitting next to me so easy one is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I know that's sometimes cliche but when a woman is going through a birth process that's something that is extremely helpful to her to me to Danny if Chip started reading scripture out loud to Danny and her labor she might okay him. so well then so the, it really depends but, on but, but, but however when I'm talking about intimacy and purpose again you're not you're in typically a dark nicely dim room that has some sort of ambiance yes. and and peace about it and so the man isn't being interrupted and can be purposeful with helping out for being there for his wife um well, when we're talking about like practical right. things you're talking about I can go get water I can go get a snack to help get my wife's mm-hmm. energy up to do these last pushes. I can help the midwife to do something. Um, it allows the man to actually be intentional with with the birthing process rather than my experiencing at the hospital is just kind of like I sit in a corner and then when transition comes, I hold a hand. Um, I know that I'm simplifying it, but I think that's very much well it is true that so even if i want things really different than abby as far as really quiet and you know no one really saying anything at all and there's a difference of of when i mean when you're as a married couple chip and i are are one and this baby that is being born is our child and the fact that he can be sitting right there and he is the first person that if I need something he knows me better than anyone else in the room so when you're Mm -hmm. at the hospital it does very much feel like you almost need to be getting permission for each thing and that if he's just taking this role of Mm -hmm. of telling them what I need or what he would think I would want or Whatever the case may be, I mean, it's even a situation where if you're in a bed, you know, there's levers and buttons and it's like you don't even know how things work. And it's like, even if I'm trying to say, like, I want to move, not even say necessarily, there's going to be times where it just doesn't, there's not the same comfort level of being able to Mm -hmm. 
freely move about. And just, as, like, for him to assert himself. Yeah. Or for you to assert yourself in, for Abby, as to, like, I think she really needs this, and just do it. It feels like yes, there's this... Totally. Like, step in between. Like, of, you, like, become, you getting, become a middleman. As well, opposed. and, like, needing to get, like, this permission, right. and, like, that you're kind of in the way, and mm-hmm. that... Yeah, you kind of sit back here and watch, mm-hmm. and we're going to tell you what's needed, and maybe right. you'll be able to help with some of that, but maybe you'll just be in everybody's way. And Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it is this awkward feeling when you're in, as a man, when you're in a hospital. Again, caveat is with my experience. Right. <laughs> but I think it goes back to Chip's main point, which is um, principle and how... Um, in how we've experienced the benefits of it and therefore we want to share it with others. Because it's been so drastic for us. Do either of you... Did either of you um, notice any difference or have any... um, any reaction to the experience of your baby as they were born is that something either of you have ever thought about um, especially experiencing both types of birth or is that something that's I know that's something that as a mom that um, is a major a major um, influencer in why I would choose to be able to give birth to my baby. Is how the, how your newborns behaved? As my baby... Well, no. As my baby is actually born, mm. the level of um, their first interactions, like what they're experiencing as they're born, that they're being born into the arms of their their mom... They're being handled by mostly their mom and their dad, like for the for the most part, maybe a good friend, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, just kind of that setting, like you're talking about, um, and the expectation of how they're even like handled and checked out, and the the sounds and the all of that, to me is drastically different between the, the hospital and at home. Um, but I didn't know if that's something that as dads you've ever even like contemplated. I think it's hard because, um, when you go to the hospital, it is so dependent on the nurse you have, Mm. whether she'll let the baby just be with mom for a few minutes, whether, you know, how long they'll let, you know, the cord be without cutting it. It's not just the nurse, it's the doctor too. But I think that's one of the things that, that just makes it you're putting yourself in somebody else's care and you no longer get to be the one that makes some of these decisions that, that really don't impact, um, I mean, I, they, they are impactful to your child, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm not really explaining it in a good way. Or I, I can't think of it in my head like the way I want to say it. But um, but I think 
I guess it just, I guess you just hear stories of like it going well for some people at the hospital with like the nurse letting do some of these things. And then you hear stories of it not going well where the nurse is like really taking charge and making sure things happen exactly how she wants it to happen. And, um, it just doesn't make sense to put yourself under somebody else's, um, decision-making care when you don't have to be under their care. Like you're, you're, you're giving over that responsibility to really a person you have no clue who they are, what decisions they're going to make when you walk into that, that hospital room. Um, so yeah, I, I think from the baby standpoint, I mean, things that would be like super important to me would be like not cutting the cord super early, um, letting the baby be with mom, um, you know, not, not like just starting to jab it and poke it, you know, too early on. Um, just kind of letting the baby be at rest and, um, you know, be with mom for a while. I, I don't know. I don't think we had any, you know, I think if you go into a hospital and you're like, they're like, hey, what are your goals for this birth? And you say, Hey, I really don't want to cut the cord. and I want the baby to be with me right after birth. I feel like most nurses would be okay with that. It's not just the nurse. The doctor is the one that cuts the cord. So, like that. So the doctor that kind of has, has to, to be, be okay there for that, that too, long yeah. time. That well, oh, I would say more more than it used to be are okay with it. Yeah. But what that looks like as far as how long that is, right? That varies was, drastically. That was a discussion that we had with our doctor for our last birth in the hospital, and she had made sure that she, I mean, she was in agreement that we could wait to cut the cord until it was done pulsing or whatever the case may be. But when you look back at that birth video, I mean, it was within 30 seconds that she said, okay, you're not pulsing anymore. I think I'm going to go ahead and like, let's, can we cut this? And I didn't know enough about like what the cord, what I would want it to look like. Plus, you're just in a really different state immediately after giving birth. Mm-hmm. There's, you're kind of just, I mean, I was just talking about other things and about what our other babies weighed after birth. You're kind of in this, because she, she had brought it up of like, you always have bigger babies and you're just sort of, they, I mean, they call it the birth high, mm-hmm. but you're just kind of blab, blabbering about <laughs> and you, you yep. look back and you're like, why didn't I stop her? Because mm-hmm. I really wanted to wait longer to cut the cord. And yeah. that cord wasn't even close to what I would have been okay with right. waiting for. Yeah. But in that moment, it, it's just, that's where you don't want to be in a situation where you're having to, you're like not, fight, fight for you're not going to be right. You decisions. want, you want people to know those things and be doing them for you not you're trying to have to to monitor decision to have happened a certain way so I have a big question then what would you say or how would you respond to somebody who is on the complete other side of the spectrum who says um, you know we think that it's a blessing to be able to have home birth. We think that it's best due to our experience and also due to our 
um, due to a conviction that we have, um, and it aligns with God's word, what would you say to the person that says, praise God for epidurals, it's showing that the fall is now being conquered, that we can have painless births, and now we have, we live in a society in America in which we can uh, have complete control over this, this thing. So the moment I am going to have birth, I'm off to the hospital and or even I one went, step further of induction yeah well, yeah oh yeah um i'm so uncomfortable and i want an ounce of discomfort um and we can I, plan I'm this saying, into I, or they even just c-section yes. or whatever yeah and know. i don't want to yeah i don't want to make it sound like it's it it's being said that way but um what would you say to somebody on that on that side So that's a pretty big question that is part of what I think we all still are working through and attempting to figure out how do we answer that? Like, how do we, what is the, I think that that is the position that I know I would have come from. Um, I would have been in that mindset with our first baby of, well, absolutely we should just not feel this pain and... And that's how we went into the hospital. We went in, let's make this as easy and painless as possible and... Would you have said it in those terms? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. We told the nurse that. Like, you you get the epidural as soon as Danny gets any sort of pain. My my water had kind of gotten snagged and broken from the doctor stripping my membranes to try to get labor to start, even though there wasn't any real reason that that needed to happen. I was only 38 weeks. There was no... You were asking for it, though. I mean, yeah, I had wanted to yeah. be done being pregnant for... Since, you know, 36 weeks, I was like, okay, well, now the baby should live, so <laughs> let's just <laughs> get this over with. Um, and so my water had broken, and when I went in, I wasn't even really having any contractions at all yet. And they said, well, how much pain do you want to feel? And I said, none. They're like, well, I think in their minds, they're going to induce and use whatever drugs they want to make labor go happen within a certain time period. That's like their protocol and their standard. So you're saying that is so, like now in hindsight that that's a bad thing. So we're talking to the person who thinks right. That's that's a good thing. So why why have you uh, said that a natural home birth is um, for lack of better terms superior to not feeling anything, going to a hospital and having them deal with it and my baby is going to be safer I think um, the drugs don't work as well as the body works and the drugs put you the drugs work for certain things like an epidural does right 
help you feel less pain. For yes. for most people, not so even then, for all pe- people. I so think. What's the what's the drawback of it? It sounds like I think the more there's a give and take on certain things that you do. So I think I think that's the thing that gets really overlooked in in any area is that there's always give and takes. There's always risk in any of it. There's always benefits to to certain things, and then there's always risks. And I think that's why we do have to be careful, and this is why we preface this all the time when we're talking about, you know, we've we've talked before about the principles and then the methods. We want to glorify God in, in giving birth. Does that mean... There, there are these different methods of having your baby at home, of having your baby at a birth center, of having your baby at the hospital, of having an epidural or not, of, um, but I think the problem with the medical system and epidurals and all of that and why we wouldn't jump to that as the first, the first thing we jump to is because we're often told of all the benefits of it without hearing a lot of the risks of it and then even when the downsides happen we're supposed to just brush over those and not have to we're supposed to just look at well but you didn't have to feel pain so by getting the epidural really early on in my first birth I didn't feel pain but I did have eight bags of fluid to try to keep my blood pressure high enough as well as some emergency medications in my IV to bring my blood pressure up because one of the known side effects of the epidural is to lower your blood pressure and when you already have a lower blood pressure going into it and then it lowers it more you have so to have all these things to counter that. It sounds like but you I don't feel created like, an emergency doing that. You created a problem. Sure. I don't know if it was an emergency necessarily because, I mean, I don't feel like they view it as an emergency at the hospital. Because in their because minds, it's like they it's give you... something they can manage easily right. and they're expecting right. to manage. Okay. And so they're not worried about it because it's all within their training and within their expectation. But the problem is it wasn't within my expectation. It... Mm. I didn't, and I didn't clearly understand what the implications of that would mean for like the weeks to come because since I had so many fluids, I got really swollen from having so many fluids and then I tore and then I had stitches and then healing is much longer. All of those things were, I would say, a result of having this mindset that I don't want to feel anything and I just want to get the epidural as soon as possible. But I didn't have anyone walk me through like, well, just so you know, like, yes, you won't feel anything in this immediate, like right now, if it works well Mm -hmm. and works right, but it could be affecting you still six weeks from now when you're still dealing with some of the side effects of making this choice right now and that's just one side effect i mean there's risks right and so the other things there's actually worse risks that could happen from epidural and a lot of times it just ends up being a snowball effect of there's one intervention that 
then needs to lead to another intervention that then needs to lead to another intervention. So when you understand... Like give, me, give me an example of that. Like, I'm not, not necessarily epidural, because, I don't know, there's some women who I think would go into the hospital and not necessarily say that they want an epidural, but when, you know, when you start feeling it, I'm sure they're mm-hmm. just like, all right, give me that epidural. Kind of like yeah. what you experience. Yeah. So what about, like, induction? Like... I'm tired of having this child in me. I want to get on with my life. I want to meet this child, and I can't wait, and I'm uncomfortable. Why? Why did you just start the process? Yeah, why why couldn't we just start the Well, being induced increases your chances of needing a cesarean by 50%. So why does that matter? Well, having major abdominal surgery is harder on your body and there's a lot of risks that come with that than just having a vaginal delivery not to say that we're not thankful for c-sections and that sometimes they're necessary and we're glad that they exist and they do save lives but it, it shouldn't be our primary goal in in avoiding the process of that god created our bodies to go through just to jump right to a c-section because that has its its own risks but so getting induced increases your chances of needing to have a c-section and the induction process in and of itself isn't just this cut and dry like all i have to do is do this and then you'll be in labor and a baby comes out it's a very long and slow process that can take a long time that's very exhausting on the mom a lot of times and then you're you're artificially creating contractions that are happening and say you don't have an epidural that are happening to your body that you a lot of times are harder on the baby um, because there aren't there isn't the comfort of your own hormones because it's not your own oxytocin that is happening you don't have the other hormones that come into play that help with the pain of that um when you're artificially causing contractions you have a lot a lot more instances of fetal distress than if it's just your own body regulating the hormones when the hormone is being synthetically put into you to cause something to happen that's not naturally happening within your body. Your body can't stop it because it's still coming. So, Mm. I mean... So then what does that... Well, for instance... You say fetal... Distress, where their heart rate has issues that then needs to either shut off the induction method to give your baby time to rest because... Or your baby is... Every time you have a contraction... Yes, like happened with Graceland. Every time you have a contraction, it is... A muscle that is bearing down on your baby. It is squeezing your baby. That when it's happening artificially, your body isn't controlling the level in which that's happening. And so it can... And your body really even works with the baby's body, I I think. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But, um, I mean, so watching, like, Abby's most recent labor... And how long it was. It was long, but it wasn't long in the sense... It it was long, but it wasn't always the same level of intensity. Mm -hmm. And it was like 
as there were, as her body was getting worn out, as there were things happening with the baby, there were times where things would space out more and then times where mm-hmm. things would be closer together. Let see. Yeah. But her body was able to do that because it was working all it together. It was doing it. it. With Ruben. Like, right. Ruben and my body were working together knowing... I didn't know, like, mentally that Ruben was in a bad position, but my body was working with him to do what it needed to do to keep it the safest option. Mm. If I was induced in that, it definitely... Yes. He would have gone in a lot more distress because of, there wouldn't have been my body regulating that. It would have been forced. But it's hard because this is where, I mean, we've even had conversations because at the end of at the end of all of it, you did decide to utilize something that was essentially an, an induction, induction yeah. method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are times that our bodies... Yeah. benefit from help mm-hmm. and there's all different aspects of help so I mean we would say that we believe there's there are good things about choosing castor oil over choosing IV mm-hmm. pitocin right that your body is still able to to somehow somewhat work with that in a different way mm-hmm. than but I think that's where that that's where some of like all of this gets so tricky is that it's not just that you never utilize other things and it's not that it always looks the same way. I think it comes down to true informed consent, which we've talked about well in other episodes too. True informed consent, but also it comes down to with so many of these things really being prayerful together as couple as a couple mm-hmm. during the birth process of and and your motivations behind why you're making the decisions you're making so if you're making the decision of I want to induce just because I'm sick of this and I don't like being uncomfortable anymore or I just don't like not knowing or having the control of like when this is going to happen those things really entail a lot of a lot of sinfulness of selfishness and pridefulness and you know really just wanting it to be kind of about you but that's not the just because someone makes the decision to be induced doesn't mean that they're always doing that out of a place of sinfulness or selfishness or yeah and i think that's what gets really tricky with some of because you know you said well you just say you're 39 weeks or whatever and you're uncomfortable and you just are ready for it to be over but what about what about the mom who is 42 weeks and hasn't been feeling her baby as much and is feeling nervous or is measuring bigger or I mean there's so many different things where it's kind of like it isn't this black and white cut and dry and that's where we, you have to be like you're saying where you do want to glorify God in it and you yes. do want to trust him and you do want to be honoring the process he's created and designed but you also there are 
There are times that we utilize help in a lot of different ways for our bodies that we wouldn't view as being wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really just understanding the risks. And if you're going to put yourself in the situation of being under the care of somebody who's going to make decisions, you know, potentially for you, mm-hmm. A, what are they going to use and being informed on what that is and truly informed, doing your own research, figuring out um, the pros and cons. Um, and if you're going to be able to say, no, we don't feel comfortable with that and they truly will listen to you and honor that or that's and and also just realize, realizing that sometimes they don't have a lot of other options mm-hmm. like if you go to them in a certain situation and they say this is what we recommend they might not have anything else to recommend and you're just going to them and like you need to be okay with that in in some instances so um like that informed consent really is important because this is uh, a big part of a woman's life in, um, you know, raising children and caring for babies and giving birth. And it really does impact your life in big ways um, in terms of, you know, like how you can care for your family um, after having a baby. Um, obviously, the mom needs a lot of time to recuperate and get better and heal from it. Um, so if you're making decisions that are making that harder for her in the long run, and then you do that, you know, multiple times through multiple children, like it really does make it a lot harder. Um, so there are, you know, it, you know, just know that that from our experiences, you know, we speak, you know, what what might sound like very strongly on these issues. Um, but it's because we have experienced both sides and we have done it a bunch of times and we have seen like the fruit and the blessing of doing it a certain way. And so, you know, while we don't, we don't stand on this podium and say, Hey, everybody needs to do it this way. Um, you know, you're listening to this podcast because, um, you're interested in, you know, giving birth in, in an informed way. And, you know, we get to, we get the, the privilege to, to tell you our experience. And we do have wives that have done a whole bunch of research um, and are very knowledgeable in this area. And so, you know, Tim and I, I think we're, we get to um, experience the blessing of wives that are, have taken the time to do a lot of research. And we've had a lot of discussions um, over the years about, you know, a whole bunch of different issues. Um, so anyway, it's, um, I think this is, uh, kind of, a, a good platform, um, to talk about different issues. And I appreciate the women, you know, making it 50 episodes deep into, um, you know, talking about these issues and five obviously they, they also get to chat about just their daily lives and what's going on. And, you know, it's not every episode is about some really crucial life changing birth, you know, um, discussion of some sort. But, um, anyway, it's, I think it's, I think this podcast is a, a good way to hopefully 
challenge some of the social norms that um, that at least we started out with um, when we first got married. So maybe we'll invite you back for episode 100 if we make it that maybe far. Maybe 100. <laughs> maybe. If we make it that another year long. Tim, you can start planning that episode now. <laughs> Special music, I'm sure. The Do amount, something fun. Yeah, with the amount that I uh, prepped for this one. <laughs> I think that was the one that I was like, I can't do it. I don't think Tim even knew it was coming upon 50. No, Did you? probably not. Probably not, Tim. I knew I was getting up there because yeah. I have to organize Abby's <laughs> files <laughs> on her computer, which yeah. is a whole new podcast that I'm going to do. I'm just gonna, <laughs> You're just going to do a secret <laughs> podcast episode yelling at it'll me be, about it'll be a bonus. my <laughs> digital <laughs> disorganization. <laughs> is this bad as some people we know? I was about probably. to name a name, but... Probably. It's, it's just called being digitally responsible. And whatever. What? Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that term, but... I don't know. <laughs> Do you keep your house organized and order? Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Do you have filing cabinets in this house? Chip is an 80-20 person. Yes. Okay. 80-20. I think it's a he's, time and a place for that. He's, he's about 80% on things. <laughs> With organization and cleaning, and then occasionally do the big deep clean, but... <laughs> okay, well, at least he knows it needs to we be We do changed. have filing cabinets, and we do file right. things away. Yeah, in the correct place. So you can find them. Hopefully. In case <laughs> you die, and somebody has to pick up your pieces. I'm just Maybe. saying. Well, I don't just have saying. all my things Organize in my your <laughs> stuff I, you want. I do like folders, and I do okay. like... Having the folders be somewhat organized, and I can. But we also open a bunch of mail for weeks and put it in a big pile before we organize it. We're not good at doing the organizing as we open it. But just like just like we know, I'm an eighty twenty, so I put a smaller subset of files upstairs so that all the common ones I can can just file away really quickly. So you know, things only happen. Things only pile up if we're just really off the ball. All right. We could talk for another three hours know, about this, know, but on that note... Overall, what's the lesson that we have for today? <laughs> um, thoughtfulness, prayerfulness... Um, seeking God's design. Seeking God's design. What's another thing? That's it. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Heart. And heart and soul. Well, yeah. All, all the things. About, we're talking about mind being transformed by the renewing of our mind and making good decisions based off of that and not just saying blindly jumping into even a home birth or even a hospital birth um, is not wise at all. So. All right. There it is. There it is. Thanks note. for having us, ladies. Yep. It's been fun. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Bye. See you.